beautiful people and welcome to the Childhood Rising podcast. This space and this business have been intentionally designed to bring together an empowered collective of parents, educators, carers, and other folk who are all journeying alongside children. Through this podcast and our support services, we aim to raise the well-being of the whole child, as well as the adults who walk alongside them. We talk about trauma-informed caregiving, play, and the importance of attachment, while also not being afraid to cover the difficult but deeply reflective conversational topics too. If you too believe in the inherent wholeness, competence, and contribution children have to offer this world, then you're in the right place. Welcome back to Childhood Rising, the podcast. I am super excited for today's episode because we have Renee from Grow Therapeutic Play joining us. Renee is a developmental educator and therapeutic play practitioner. She's based in South Australia. Welcome, Renee. Thank you so much. Can you tell us uh, a bit about you and the work that you do? Absolutely, yeah. So I'm I'm really excited to be here. Um, before I get started, I just wanted to acknowledge that I'm coming to you today from Ghana land um, and that sovereignty was never ceded and that it always was and always will be Aboriginal land. And I just wanted to pay my respects to the elders past, present and emerging before we get started. Thank you for that. Um, I also wanted to acknowledge that that's okay. And whereabouts are you coming from? Uh, Wajak Noonga. Oh, beautiful. Yeah. Um, I also wanted to acknowledge that um, you know, while I am neurodivergent myself, I'm not autistic um, and I never want to talk about or over autistic people without acknowledging that autistic people are the experts in themselves um, and that lived experience is as valuable as evidence-based practice. Um, and I also just wanted to give you a few autistic um, creators and advocates. So I just wanted to give them a bit of a shout out before I get started. Um, so Yellow Ladybugs is a non-government organization they're dedicated to the happiness success and celebration of autistic girls women and gender diverse individuals um some of my favorite instagram followers so we've got NeuroWild. um so m is an audhd she's a speech pathologist and a mum to three neurodivergent kids she is an artist and an illustrator and she creates these really fantastic illustrations and infographics about autism adhd and parenting um so cool. And sorry, last one. Yeah, no, keep going. Um, sure, this is yeah, ta- doing this thing. <laughs> um, Tammy Lee, counsellor. So she is a proudly autistic mother, um, director of a business, and she is a counsellor here in SA. Um, and she is also the author of Billy's Brain and How It Works Differently. She's a fantastic one to follow as well. Um, and my final little acknowledgement, sorry, is I just want to make, um, I just wanted to say that I use identity first language. Mm-hmm. So instead of saying, you know, child with autism or person on the spectrum or um, anything like that, I do say autistic person. Um, and language is really powerful. Um, and identity first language kind of acknowledges autism as an inherent part of an individual's identity mm-hmm. rather than saying that they have something or they suffer from something. Um, it, you know, acknowledges that as part of their whole being. Um, identity first language is preferred by many autistic adults and advocates. Um, but again, it's it's entirely a personal preference. So parents might prefer to use um, person first language with their children. So child with autism, um, yeah, totally up to the person. So always ask whoever you're speaking to. Well, thanks. Thank you for including that. Um, yeah, no dramas. To have a caveat about that because I guess that'll be the context for the language used in this podcast episode as well. Yeah, so helpful for people and- to 
have an understanding as to why why that is. Yeah. Yeah, and feel free to like shuffle shuffle it around. Um, I will actually get into telling you about myself now. Yes, please. So, <laughs> like you said, I'm a developmental educator here in SA. Um, it's a bit of a, it's a big, it's a bigger um, profession here in SA just because the developmental education degree is based at Flinders. Right. Um, so DEs are disability specific allied health professionals. So we undertake a four year degree and professional registration process. Um, and what we do is foster empowerment social inclusion and quality of life for people with disability and their families. We're often referred to as the glue of the allied health team, so we do a bit of everything. Um, the fun thing about being a DE is it's a really flexible role. Mm. So you get to, you know, use a lot of different therapeutic methods that best suit the person that you're working with to reach their goals. So some DEs um, only work with adults and they focus on things like daily living, employment, cooking, um, public transport, some DEs work with teenagers and they'll focus on things like hygiene, social connections, transitions, um, and some DEs work specifically around behaviour. So they'll work on things like emotional regulation and developing positive behaviour support. Yeah. So I work specifically with children. Um, we do a lot of emotional regulation, social connections, and we do all that through play because it's the most, yeah, the most comfortable, the most engaging method, and it's just the way that kids naturally communicate. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. We're big advocates for play here. And I'm really excited to have you on the podcast because I think you've got so much knowledge and wisdom in this space. And I'm really excited to have a snippet of that shared in the the time that we have allocated for an episode. So yeah, thank you again for being here. Um, yeah. So we're going to be exploring and unpacking how autistic play can be pathologized and kind of labeled as wrong, I guess, in some way and what some of the implications can be from doing that. Before we really dive into that, though, we've kind of discussed how it is helpful to understand ableism and how this sort of manifests here. So maybe we could start with you explaining what exactly ableism is. So ableism is much like sexism and racism. Um, it's the discrimination of and social prejudice against people with disabilities, and it's based on the belief the not true belief, um, that non-disabled abilities are superior to disabled abilities. So at its heart, ableism is rooted in the assumption that disabled people require fixing and um, ableism defines people by their disability. So the neurodiversity movement emphasises that autism, ADHD and other um, types of brains are just that, you know, they're, they're different, they're not less, um, they are a result of natural variations in the human brain and they're yeah, they're not a disease to be cured. They're just, they just are, and they're just different. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So in the context of play, ableism can look like um, preferring non-autistic play over autistic play. Mm -hmm. um, so placing more value on non-autistic play or typical play um, and trying to change autistic play to appear more typical. Yes. Yeah. Why do you think that neurotypical play is seen as more valuable than autistic play? Um, I think without without always knowing it, without always acknowledging it, it is ableism, you know, it's what yeah. we've been taught. It's something that we need to unlearn. Um, you know, we're taught as therapists to kind of keep an eye out for these play behaviours that need to be fixed mm -hmm. when really they just need to be understood and celebrated. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, there's this really wonderful post that I saw on Instagram um, 
I created called I Am Cadence Art and it's, it never goes well trying to explain what an Instagram post looks like. It looks like Shopkins or little figurines. And oh, yeah. A, yeah, a child has lined them up kind of like dominoes and they're spiralling around and they're making these squiggly lines and um, they've shown this picture to four groups of adults mm-hmm. um, and it just kind of points out the differences between how people see play and how people pathologise autistic play. So the first group was a group of mums of non-autistic children and they said it was beautiful, it had gorgeous colours, it was a piece of art, mm-hmm. um, it was a great display of patience. The second group was a support group for mums of autistic children led by a non-autistic person. Mm-hmm. Um, and they said, oh, you know, it's really sad. They don't know how to play. My child's always making a mess as well. It's so frustrating. Mm-hmm. The third group was a support group for mums of autistic children, and it was an autistic-led group. They called it epic. <laughs> they called it artistic. They said, wow, that kid has so much determination. I love the creativity. Um, and the final group was an autism education group led by professionals, so different kinds of therapists, I'm assuming, Um it is just the one Instagram picture, so we don't get heaps from it. But they said things along the lines of, you know, oh, ABA and RDI therapies can help with developing more appropriate play skills. Um, oh, you know, I would take this interest in the toys and direct it to mutual attention and reduce unwanted behaviour. Um, and I just, I wish I could show you this picture because it's magnificent. And oh, those yeah, four so different, cool. yeah, yeah. Um, it just perfectly captures the different perspectives of play and how it can be pathologized without us realizing it. You know, there's that immediate response to either celebrate it or to fix it. So interesting. That is really Mm. fascinating. Yeah. And I mean, this is, we're obviously talking somewhat specifically about play within the context of like the therapeutic playroom, but this Mm -hmm. is, this is play more broadly than that, isn't it? Like this is play that teachers can be observing in classrooms, parents can be observing in the home and how we've all sort of got these, uh, I guess, opinions of what we think, definitions, I guess, of what play is and what mm. play isn't and how yeah. that impacts how we're ultimately viewing that child. Uh, yeah, absolutely. You've previously mentioned to me about Peter Gray's definition of play. If people listening aren't aware of Peter Gray, like he's an amazing uh, theorist and researcher and advocate for play, and I really encourage people to read his books. Uh, but he he offers us a definition of play, which I'm going to read um, for you now. It's, he says, play is self-chosen and self-directed. Play is intrinsically motivated. Means are more valued than ends. Play is guided by mental rules, but the rules leave room for creativity. Play is imaginative. Play is conducted in an alert, active, but relatively non-stressed frame of mind. And I really love his definition because it is so open-ended and it doesn't specify that play needs to look or be you know any particular way um and you've you've made the point too when we've been discussing previously that if we're trying to change the play of someone with autism then how is that still play you know that's making it Mm. longer play yeah 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 and you know peter gray's definition is what i always come back to when i'm looking at play um you know if a child's ticking all of those boxes if they're being creative, they're using their imagination, they've chosen it themselves. Um, but most of all, if they're happy and relaxed, yeah. why why would we want to come along and change it? You know, what what gives us the right to tell a child that how they've chosen to play is wrong? Yeah. Um, and like you said, as soon as we try to change a child's play or if we try to 
impose our own values or beliefs or um you know we try to change it to how we think it should look we've we've taken that play away from them it's no longer play it's yeah. it's a demand it's something we want them to do um and i think if we feel the need to control and change an autistic child's play that we should that we should maybe you know look at ourselves and yeah. ask why we feel this way why why does autistic play make us so uncomfortable and why do we place that higher value on typical play or non-autistic play Mm. and asking where that's come from sometimes too Mm. because we're not always conscious that maybe we're holding these beliefs or or thoughts around what play should look like right and yeah you know it could come from our professional training or things that we've read as a parent or wherever it might have come from I think it can be helpful to sort of unpack that a bit um Mm. and yeah see how those reactions aren't necessarily helpful to that child in front of us Mm. yeah um what would you say have been some of the historical reactions to autistic play and maybe what are some of the implications of those reactions too? Yeah. Um, so historical reactions to autistic play is essentially that it needs to be fixed, um, that children need to be taught, I'm doing some air quotes, <laughs> children need to be taught how to play properly, um, which, you know, as we as we spoke about is rooted in ableism. Yeah. Um, which is, yeah, which in play is the belief that non-autistic play is better and more desirable than autistic play. Um, and historical doesn't mean, you know, 20 years ago. This is is still happening. Mm. Um, and, you know, I want to make it really clear that every family has the right to choose, uh, has the right to choice and control over which therapies they choose for their child. Um, and it's important for them to make informed decisions. So, Therapies that are often recommended for autistic children include ABA, which is Applied Behaviour Analysis, um, and this focuses on changing a child's behaviours and teaching new behaviours using rewards. Um, and this is a really basic definition. I'm not an ABA therapist. And, again, parents have the right to choose their child's therapies, um, but we do need to listen to the voices of autistic individuals who have been through ABA therapy. Um, a lot of adults have been coming forward and saying that it has the potential to be traumatic and can teach um, masking behaviours, which are really harmful. Mm. So, yeah, masking is a um, it's a social survival strategy that many autistic people have been adapted or forced to adapt in order to um, appear neurotypical. So this might be something like um, forcing eye contact or mm. imitating facial expressions or minimising or not talking about their personal interests, um, you know, pushing through that discomfort to make other people more comfortable. Yeah. And um, masking might make things easier for others in the short term, but it has been linked to long-term negative effects on, um, you know, an autistic person's (laughs) self-worth, their confidence um, and their mental health. So any therapy that is teaching an autistic child to be different rather than empowering to them empowering them to be themselves um we need to be really careful that we're not teaching masking behaviors um yeah and just looking for those um neurodivergent affirming therapists when you are looking for your children yeah yeah someone who's really going to validate that child for where they're at and um Mm. their their experiences right Mm. Um, So how, this is a big question, but how do we go about depathologizing autistic play and sort of celebrating autistic play and joy? Yeah. Um, 
I think you've yeah you've said it. You know, we we depathologize autistic play by celebrating it. We accept it. We join in. We you know stay curious about it. Um, join in without judgment. Join in without agenda. You know, join in without goals. Um, just join in with curiosity. Um, alongside a child, share their joy, and you know you will build a connection with them because you're showing an interest in their world. You're not coming in and trying to change things or telling them that they're doing it wrong. Yeah. Um, and it's okay to wonder about autistic play. It's okay to give your child opportunities to invite you into their play. You can say something like, oh, I wonder where all of these cars are going or, you know, um, don't pose it as a question because mm. you know, that places demand and turns play into a bit of an interrogation. You know, what are you doing? Why are they like that? What colour is this one? Tell me about this, um, which is hard because that is how – you know, I've been guilty of that in the past of playing with children and just asking question after question. Yeah. Um, when really you just want to be observing, you know, out, observing out loud, tracking what they're doing and just being there with them. Yeah, we can really go down a rabbit hole, can't we, of trying yeah. to understand the why of the play um, and, like, why are they playing like this or what does this mean and et cetera, et cetera. But that really doesn't necessarily serve anyone in that situation. You as the parent or the therapist or the child um, as well. But instead, yeah, I really like your approach that we're sort of widening our definition of what, what play is um, yeah. and just being with the child where they're at and trusting play, you know, trusting that that child is playing out what they need to and um, engaging in the type of play that they need. I think there's a whole lot of trust that comes with being in that space with a child too. Yeah. Yes, trust the play. Yes, it's a big one. Thank you so much for joining us. Um, could you let everyone listening know where they can find out more about you and the work that you're doing in this space? Thank you so much for having me. It has been fantastic. So I'm at um, www.growtherapeuticplay.com.au. I'm also on Instagram and Facebook as Grow Therapeutic Play. I haven't gotten onto TikTok yet I think I'm kind of I'm an elder millennial so I'm a little bit worried about that one but yes that's where you can find me at the moment I'm not there yet either (laughs) (laughs) but I will link your website and the links to your socials in the show notes of the podcast as well so people can directly find you from there and yeah thank you again thank you for joining us thank you so much for having me